so can you. The show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. And today we are covering a true icon and legend and one of my favorite people that I know very little about, Dolly Parton. (laughs) Yeah, I'm uh, really excited about this. Yes. We picked this. I'm going to Norway. I'm doing a lot of traveling um, and I wanted something that I was sure was going to be at least kind of fun. And I think this will be at least kind of I fun. Think, I think so, too. I'm not, I don't want to be more cocky about how fun it's going to be than that because I don't know. I just feel like I really love Dolly Parton. Like as a person. Yes. Like yeah. everything I've ever seen her say, mm-hmm. everything I've ever heard of her doing, mm-hmm. I'm like, what a star. Yeah. But I just feel like, like partly almost because of that, if I was going to love, if I was going to love her music, I already would. Sure. Yeah. I... But we've said that, I've said that about things before and then it's turned out that they just really, like fucking even Slater Kinney. I was like, surely Sometimes... I would know this already and I didn't. So. Yeah. Sometimes stuff sneaks up on you. Yeah. And this is only our second country star that we are covering. Sure. The last one we did was Casey Musgraves. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, yeah, if we're not counting Taylor Swift. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. Most, most of her fine. stuff is not country. Yes, I think that's fair. I don't listen to a lot of country music. I do enjoy sort of the like niche flavors that come in country and then their influence on rock and roll and pop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't listen to a lot of like radio country. Yeah. There was a time where I found such music pretty annoying but I, I think I've developed my palate at least enough to be able to tell, like, which parts of it are annoying to me now. Yeah. Instead of just being blanket annoyed. I think also we we really got the worst of all possible worlds with country because we came up in a time where country took this incredibly jingoistic right turn. Yeah. after 9-11 so like sure, our yeah. entire adolescence and adult lives has just been like America and it's yeah. just like Jesus like I can't listen to people just being like I rode my truck to the steel mill fucking eagles like what yeah I'm, yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say I think it's unlikely that we'll probably ever cover like a male country artist from from the recent times yeah i would say maybe like jason aldean is not gonna be covered on this willie nelson i think we should yes yeah yeah yeah. that's what i'm saying like yeah john prine yeah exactly like i would if we're going back further but like outlaw country kind of stuff yeah 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 yeah. but like the country that i grew up thinking of as country it's Mm -hmm. gonna have to be just just the ladies from that please thank you because And, like, I I don't know. There's a thing I heard about how, like, country radio ha- had, like, a cap on, like, how many women they'd play per hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, all country radio stations would be, like, you never play two songs by a woman in a row. Like, and you make sure not to do more than two in an hour. There were just all these rules about, like, making sure that men who listen to country music, like, didn't have to, like, consider a perspective outside their own <laughs> Mm-hmm. like ever a lot of the culture around like mainstream country is mm-hmm. just not my favorite but dolly parton is a piece of culture around mainstream country that is my favorite yeah and i think the the dolly parton that i know and i feel like this is one of the ones where i'm like her discography is so huge that i don't claim to know dolly parton at all but like 
some of her songs are very ubiquitous. And so like nine to five, Jolene, Code of Many Colors, like yeah. all of those songs, I know them. Those are kind of the main ones. Yeah. But like a lot of I her songs are like, here is my slice of Appalachian living. Yeah. Like it's very slice of life. It's very like country storytelling thing that I really yeah. like. I'm hoping because she is so funny and like mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. I'm hoping that some of that is in the music. I'm hoping it's cheeky. I'm hoping it's like honestly, I'm I, I'm I'm hoping it's like Kesha. <laughs> mm-hmm. That it's like just like sort of quietly kind of subversive. Quietly and funly, smilingly subversive. Yeah. Like teehee, like what am I doing? Who is it me? Am I here? Like patriarchy and evil, but don't don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for that vibe. I know um, PB Siebert wrote some songs for Dolly Parton. Oh, that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. PB Siebert is Kesha's mom. Yeah. The song that they sing together on Rainbow, Old Flames. Oh. Can't Hold a Candle to You. That's fun. PB wrote that for, like Dolly Parton sang that before. Like, we're going to get to that song at some point. You know what I know of Dolly the best, and even that, it's been a long time, is Dollywood, which I went to sure. 25 years ago. Ooh, yeah. That makes me feel old. With my dad. Yeah. And he has not shut up about it since. <laughs> like, my dad and I love going to amusement parks. We go all the time. And anytime we're at, you know, an amusement park, he's like, I'm having a great time. This is wonderful. You know what was really good, though? Dollywood. <laughs> like, <laughs> He still talks about the bird show at Dollywood. Uh, yeah. I've never been. I've never really I would been anywhere close to it. I would 100% go. Sure, Ari really go. wants to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've I've never made it a priority because I would feel like an imposter because I don't really listen to her music. But also everything that I know about her, like, sh- remember how she, like, produced Buffy secretly behind the scenes? Oh, that's right. She's, like, behind Buffy. Sort of like Lucille Ball with Star Trek. Yes. I know that she's done, like, a lot of healthcare stuff. Yeah, and she does like, like a I know shitload she... of child literacy stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like like she's she's got a lot of projects. She's really looking out for like the tribe of humanity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like I really think she's like got the big picture goggles on in a way that like almost no one else does. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons she bought Dollywood was because the like she didn't found Dollywood, the amusement park already existed. And it was near her hometown. It was one of the largest employers in the county. And then it went out of business. And so a lot of people were out of work. And she was like, well, I've got a bunch of money and some free time. I'll just buy that amusement park. And so she did. And now she's one of the largest employers in the county. And she's just like, have this incredibly yeah. successful. That's why it's like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because she's like, yeah, it's the park near my hometown. It's the same thing you're talking about. She's just like, she's yeah, not, everything it's not charity. Like, she's like, it's a good, like, it's a successful business. Yes, yes. That's, that is really the sense that I get from her whenever I hear about her, like, do-gooding is that I don't feel like she's do-gooding at all. I think she's really, like, assessing the situation and, like, seeing where she's needed and doing as much as she can. Not to be kind to other people, but because it makes community sense. Because yeah. she sees her community as humans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think 99 times out of 100, the term virtue signaling is bullshit. And I also think that whatever Dolly Parton is doing is the exact opposite. Yes, if you want to know how to be virtuous without signaling. I think the answer is like, don't broadcast that you're doing it, just do it. Yeah. 
just like do it as much as you can as often as you can yeah and let other people figure out that you're doing it yeah i the more we're talking about this it's like i don't even want to go listen to her albums i just want to like watch little clips of her in interviews like she's just (laughs) i just really i feel like she is playing four-dimensional chess have you heard about uh her with the madonna in no Okay, so for our listeners out there who don't live in the state of California, on the road from San Francisco to LA, there is a very fun place called the Madonna Inn. It is if Dolly Parton were a resort hotel yeah. in the middle of California, this is what it would be. It's just like very gaudy, very cowboy themed. Yeah, all the rooms the have different like looks and yeah, themes. Yeah, it's a lot and... of like pinks and a lot of cupids and it's just like very ornate, Everything's very, very maximalist. A lot yeah. of problem prints in the on the wallpapers. Yeah. Anytime she can swing it, she goes to the Madonna Inn. And anytime Dolly Parton goes out in public, she's not wearing her big wig and she's not in makeup, so most people don't recognize her. Yeah, I Um, certainly wouldn't. Yeah, she goes there. She orders, I think, the same thing every time. She knows the entire staff by name. She tips like a monster, like (sighs) like 30% tips. And it's just like, and we'll just like hang out for hours and it's just so cool. Yeah. It's, It's apparently like so much fun when she shows up. Yeah. That's how it should be. Ugh, she just seems like such a fucking champ. Yeah. I'm excited to spend some time with her. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the acrylic nails. Oh, yes. Where she, she like pa- makes a beat on her acrylics. Are you talking about the video that she does with Patti LaBelle? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she is a person that like, this is a, this is a giant society and she has a lot of resources and she is doing as much as she can to contribute and participate in this mm-hmm. society using both her resources and her human instrument. Yeah. And I feel like if we lived, it's, we've been, th- it's, listen, the apocalypse is on all of our minds. We just watched the Terminator movies, mm-hmm. the last of us. I'm, it's, I'm always thinking about the apocalypse anyway. If we lived in a society of a hundred people at the end of the world, I think she would still be like doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think she would still be like, like finding a way to improve morale and maximize everything. Yeah. She's one of the last celebrities who I think has like built a life of like some modicum of privacy for herself. Yeah. Like the fact that her husband is not in entertainment and like has only seen her perform live like twice. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And they've been married since like 1967 or something wild like that. Yeah. Um, I love that for her. Yeah. And that she just has this like very separate life and the way she portrays it in public is like, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. I think she also takes a lot of care to make sure that she does that. Yeah. But I also like, I don't think that it is like, I think it's really genuine. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think it is like two sides to Dolly, but I don't think that it is. The, the way the way that we've seen Lady Gaga talk more candidly mm-hmm. about the girl behind the aura lately and like the effort mm-hmm. of the life that she designed and chose by yeah. saying that she was gonna art direct every moment of her fame I don't I don't feel like Dolly is like trying like that do you know what I mean like like I see what you're saying that it's like I'm I, I mean everyone is different behind closed doors right like yeah. I like I'm sure she has another channel but I don't think that it is like like every time she goes to the public she's taking off a mask and then when she goes back into private she's also taking off a mask mm-hmm. she's only ever taking off the mask she's I never see. putting it on 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's only revealing of herself. She's yes, not hiding. Yes, yes. It's always, it's always like, it's always like, oh, great. I get to stop. I get to stop being that other dolly now and be this dolly. Sure, it's, sure. Oh, it's always a positive. It's always mm-hmm. a stepping into and never a stepping out of or, or a putting on. Sure, I can see that. <laughs> like, it, it sounds crazy, but I do understand what you mean. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I don't not see it. Yeah. What do I think I'm going to think of it? Is that what you're about to ask me? Yeah. I'm concerned that I'm going to like the music less than I like her. Mm-hmm. Just because because I'm saying, like, wouldn't I already know it? Maybe. But maybe not. I don't know. I didn't know Paramore. And, and just you didn't some know of my, Evanescence. I didn't. <laughs> and now look at us. I, I'm, I'm done judging. I'm done being annoyed so instantly by like commercial country. But I, I don't know if I'm ever going to, I don't know if it's ever going to really like get into my bones. Yeah. I feel like for, for vacation purposes, I'm playing it a little safe with something that I know is I'm not going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. And I like that it's a big catalog. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find my way. Yeah. Through it, I I think the odds are very low that it's gonna be unpleasant. Yeah. And I just want to flag for all of our listeners before we leave and come back. Massive discography. This is almost certainly going to be a two-parter because she has so many albums. Yeah. She's been releasing music almost every year for the last. 45 years yeah we'll see if we can figure out a way to sort of like decide what to sort of triage yeah i mean i'm staying away from her christmas albums that knocks out like six to ten. Oh my god already a couple of her collaborative albums though are apparently like must listens yeah so also should the best little whorehouse in texas be on the envelope yeah probably okay that sounds right yeah um and nine to five or have you seen nine to five i have not okay well Okay. Maybe that one should be on before the best little horse in Texas, but yeah. Okay. What so, do you think you're going to think of it? I think you said it pretty well. Like, I don't think it's going to be unpleasant, but I am a little concerned that I'm going to like it less than I like her, but I'm not going to have a bad time. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned also that it's going to be maybe like a little bit much of a muchness that it's all going to kind of run together. Yeah, maybe. But that's, you know, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. And uh, we'll just see. I know she, like, has some bluegrass. She has some mainstream country. She has some, like, pop country. So, like, she tried out a bunch of different stuff over the years. So, like, we'll see. Okay. All right. So we'll go ahead and leave and then come back and you will know what we think about Dolly Parton over the next probably couple of episodes. I did also just take a migraine thing that's not supposed to affect me. (laughs) Listen, some of our best work has done with you having no knowledge of what has been said. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Like our Taylor Swift episode. Sure. Famously recorded in a fugue state and great content. Amazing. Anyways, we're back. Oh, right. Yeah, that is what we are. (laughs) Every time. You've been on a cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you like me to just tell you what I think of Dolly Parton and then you tell me? Sure. Three, two, one, go. Okay. This has been a really fun jaunt through something that I know nothing about. Like, mm-hmm. like it's been it's been really educational and like and genuinely fun. I don't think that it's ever gonna be like the music of my heart. Like, I think there's a reason that I didn't mm-hmm. know any of this. But it is like it's like it's like the most um, familiar thing we've done that I've never heard before. Mm. no i know do you know what i mean like like it's the most like small on the outside big on like i opened the doors and it was so much bigger on the inside than i thought it was gonna be yes she's a musical tardis 
Yeah, and in this way that's like that's like oh none of this sounded like like something like Metallica or even like Regina Spector that it's like I have heard this and yet it does take my ear like some adjusting to hear to be like these are eight different songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew less of Dolly Parton and yet I like it felt more like homey to me. Yeah. And those things. And that was like, that was kind of an interesting experience. And just like the <laughs> extent of her songwriting is like outrageous. Yes, it, it absolutely is. I realized on my walk today that we've accidentally fallen into that trap of covering everything except for country and hip hop. I mean, we have done both, but comparatively, we sure. haven't done a lot of it. I would like to say in our defense, that criticism is about people having strong negative opinions about country and hip-hop. And I think the criticism is only valid if those opinions are exclusive to country and hip-hop. Sure. Like, if you're like, I only like Beethoven and everything else is trash, including country and hip-hop, that's not the problem to me. Right, of course. And I don't think that either of us, well, I've exposed myself as like not, ha- I, I don't know a lot about hip-hop's roots at all. But I think I, I'm, I'm keeping up with certainly like girl hip-hop of today. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, I think part of why we're not jumping into them that hard is that we do know some of the broad strokes that's true that's true but where i was going with that was like we've done one or two country artists before casey muskers being the most famous one what a delight to jump into this particular artist and her catalog like yeah truly just unassailable americana and i kept thinking to myself you know it Country music had this wild rightward shift after 9-11 that like was right when we were at like a very impressionable age. So for me, my like most vivid memories of country are like all of like the post 9-11, like red, white, and blue. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. Like jingoistic trash. Yes. Which apparently Dolly Parton has herself. So I'm interested to get to that in our next episode. Yeah, I've seen the album covers. Yeah. But this, the part we've listened to so far, I, I is like very uh, feminist. Yeah. And not explicitly, but I would still say like pretty um like socialist. <laughs> yeah. It, it has sort of a... Not expressly anti-capitalist bent, but an idea of like poverty does not equal unhappiness and wealth yes, does very, not equal happiness. Well, and and like and there are experiences unique to mm-hmm. poverty. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, it's it's very um, pro like poor community. Yeah, um, in a way that I was really into. I'm gonna say because it's it's been lost to time. I said almost exactly this when we talked about Tina Wesson <laughs> back in our Survivor podcast that has never seen the live today. Yeah, but I'm gonna say it now too that like it's come to my attention that the white people between the 101 and um, Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. think that I hate them. <laughs> And I do, I do not. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're great. Specifically Appalachians. Yeah. I think, which are I, I some of the most, like, maligned mm-hmm. white people in mm-hmm. this country. And, and I feel like that is, like, usually, like, when coastal elites talk about, like, backward country folk, a lot of them are picturing Appalachian people as, like, not the only, but the apotheosis yes. of that. And I just feel like everything I I know about, I've never been there. I don't know anyone from there closely. So this is very sort of like 
tourism of me. Right. But like everything that I learn about what's going on there sounds fantastic. <laughs> Except some of the like entrenched racism. But like entrenched racism and current political climate of just like generally the southeast. Sure, but it, it the more and more that I hear about it, I feel like a lot of that political stuff is coming out of the flats. <laughs> Mm. the people at the bottom of the hill (laughs) and a lot of the music and vibes and like turns of phrase and picadillos like don't look at the trees like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. lore Mm -hmm. uh, it's just feels really i love it i know that i am like fetishizing it a little bit but there's not a lot of like as a person with no like native culture do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like there's just not a lot of groups of white people in America that have like a real, like a real thing going. Like a distinct (laughs) cultural milieu. Yeah, 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 yeah. That does not have to do with some vague notion of like, I know Italian Americans are different from Italians, but like all of that and Irish people too, it's like all tied to this notion of what they were like in the motherland. Yes. And like the trauma of crossing over and like Appalachians are like, we're from here. That's very true. And like there, you know, there's problems with that too. But like, because how did they get to be from there? Right. But like, what is an American folktale? Who has those? Like, who mm-hmm. has who has oral traditions in this country? Mm-hmm. Um, like that's it's it's all happening there, and those are those are things that I am very artistically energized by. Yeah, it's all happening there for white people. Yeah. Big asterisks on that, but yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, like as a white person. No, no, I I know what you mean. Yeah, like I, I suppose it's still appropriating if I take it from them, but like no one's ever told me not to admire Appalachian culture the way it's like it's like yes, there are many rich oral traditions still alive from the people who were here before, but that feels like really not mine to critique or reimagine. Right. No, that's very fair, and I do think that Dolly Parton really taps into that particular milieu very yes. specifically and very well and she yes. explores it in this really multifaceted way that yeah. is just really exciting because she could be so one note yeah her songs don't sound that different from one another no. individually <laughs> and yet no there's like a good six years where it's like <laughs> who knows what album this is from i i didn't do any looking up of like chord progressions but like i suspect that a lot of them are the same four chords in a dream yeah yeah and she's really good at like taking those same chord progressions and tools in her toolbox and just like reshaping them and repackaging them yeah, so totally. that every every song is its own like little mini parable yeah yeah lots of parables especially in the early stuff yeah I did a little more research than I usually do, which is to say that I read some of her Wikipedia while I was listening to her music. It's a um, lengthy Wikipedia. Yeah. I honestly didn't read much about like her music. I just mm-hmm. was like, what's what's going on here? And her parents sound really extraordinary. I mean, judging by her music, and we'll talk later about like why you should take it with a grain of salt, but it really does seem like she loved growing up the way that she did, even yes. though she grew up like so grindingly poor. Yes, so poor. But she has talked about how clever her dad was mm-hmm. and how musical her mom was. And like, those are the things, like she has said a lot of times that she, everything that she learned about being the creative person that she is and the businesswoman that she is, she got from her parents. 
Mm-hmm. Like she came, she came to Nashville with that already in her pocket. She didn't show up with a ukulele and then like some cool businessman took her under his wing and like taught her how to like be money smart. Yeah. Like she already had a plan. They started with nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like her dad turned nothing into enough for her and her siblings. Of which there were 11. Yeah. And then, and she took that and made herself Dolly Parton. <laughs> right. And I just think that's pretty, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like the way that she talks about them and like her siblings and her uncles and like the, the everyone there as like people who come from small towns a lot of times have this story of like, I was just too big for that place and I had to get out and like nobody there was anybody, but I always was. Mm-hmm. And that's not how she thinks of it at all. She's no. like, she's like half the people I know are, are geniuses, <laughs> like yeah. could have done this. Mm-hmm. And it was just me that got to. Right. And like all of those people helped make me the person that could do and sustain this. Yeah. And so many of her songs are talking about like her going to visit her, her parents or like writing a letter to home. This is all top of mind for me because I listened to my Tennessee mountain home again this afternoon. Yeah. So like that is so much about where she grew up and like what her life was like. Yeah. Do you think that letter is real? It could be. Uh, That's what I thought too. So there's, there's for the listeners, there's an album that starts with her just there's like an instrumental under it and she just reads like the first letter that she wrote home. And I was like, okay, like, you know how sometimes people put like, nowadays, sometimes people put like a voicemail from Mm -hmm. another famous person on their album and it's cute. Like it felt like that, but I, I don't know. She just like really convinced me. There were, there was just like enough like hemming and hawing and like, not sure what to say next. And like, and like, don't worry about this or that. And like, I I don't, it just like, really, I was like, you convinced me Dolly. Like, I think this might be your real letter home. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sound, yeah, it sounded like a real letter. It didn't sound staged, but she's also a really good writer. So yeah, there's no way I'm knowing. Yeah, exactly. These songs actually made me feel like weirdly nostalgic and kind of like I lost out not having a lot of Dolly Parton in my life growing up because... Interesting. Well, okay. So I don't know how much I've talked about it on the pod before, but like I grew up working class a little bit in North Carolina, but I identify as being from Long Island. But there were many years where my parents did not have a lot of money at all and we really struggled financially. And it was just like so stressful and sad. And there was just so much like stress and anger happening all the time. And there was no like being able to enjoy like being clever and like coming up with something like, okay, you know, we don't have a lot of like we have the food we have in the house. It's sort of a weird combination of things. Let's like make a nice dinner that we can all sit down to together. Yeah. That there was never any of that like, well, let's make the best of it. It was always like this is all I can do. Like I feel such shame. Yeah. From my outside observation of your parents now, which is like a pretty different situation, that tracks to me. And honestly, like a lot of just like what I think of Long Island culture mm-hmm. <laughs> is like if you don't have enough, you spend all your time thinking about how to get a little more. And if you do have just enough, you spend all your time thinking about how to get a little more. And if you have and if you're like doing pretty good, you spend all your time thinking like and that's like mo- most of America, you know, capitalism, whatever. Yeah. But like. 
yeah, the idea of like like making it cozy and sort of like almost like like proud and cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that that's happening a lot on Long Island. No, at least not with the people that I grew up around. It's just like how can we how can we hide this? How can we do a little better next time? Right, exactly. I just the line of Dolly Parton's that's been in my head for weeks is from Code of Many Colors, where she says, uh, "A man is." mostly poor only if he choose to be yeah something like that yeah i wish my parents had had that wisdom because yeah i think we could have just embraced not having that much money and it would have been truly fine right like i was not someone who went out and did a lot of stuff so yeah i was very self-directed fine with the stuff we had in the house i think we could have made it work sure but it, it just wasn't personality wise what it was but yeah I think I think so my parents we we were I I would say we sort of breathed in and out of like middle middle and lower middle Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I was never worried about like I I always had the pasta that I wanted you know what I mean like it was it was never worrisome but there there were definitely times of like belt tightening my parents are in soft world now they're retired but my parents were in software at the time and like (laughs) there are many bubbles and busts and there were like long periods of unemployment where like things would, and I was always in outrageous private schools mm-hmm. for my really special brain. <laughs> and I think I'm going to say that I, I, my parents would never voluntarily listen to country music, but I, I, I think they did do a pretty good job of that, you know, to the extent that it's even the same thing when it's a, a rung up or whatever. But like, I, I think they did, they, they, they really um, encouraged me to not worry about it. Yeah. You know, are we fed? Are we clothed? Are we inside? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we did a lot of we, we had a lot of cheap thrills mm-hmm. and a lot of like, isn't it really fun to like shop at the Salvation Army and like see how little we can spend? Like that was a really fun game of my childhood. Yeah. And I know I've talked to other people who had similar finances and it was more like, how far can we stretch this so that we can buy new things? Because this would be embarrassing. And like, if mm-hmm. we go to the Salvation Army, like, but don't let anyone see us there. Or, I yep. don't know. Like, it just no, wasn't. No, it would be like a, a sign of such failure. Yeah. Yeah. My parents were collecting welfare checks when I was a teenager. And I didn't even know until I was like in my mid-20s when they just mentioned it offhand. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That didn't Because that... they were ashamed to tell me. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, that sucks. I don't think that we were ever there, but I think if we were, I think my parents would have told me. Yeah. But we're... <laughs> anyway, all yeah. of this is to say Dolly Parton. <laughs> but yeah, all this is to say that Dolly Parton doesn't engage in that kind of like poverty shaming. And that is what feels like sort of socialist or anti anti classist, I guess is a good way to put it. And yeah. like vaguely anti capitalist. Well and like okay, yeah, here here's the things I'm sure that she would never say this, but here are some things that make me feel like it it's a step beyond just poor pride into like sort of class class abolitionist, let's say. Sure. Like the song about the doctor. Yeah. Who always shows up whether you pay him or not. Mm-hmm. Like free fucking healthcare, guys. Yeah. Like that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. That song also discusses like payment in kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. I think there's a few other songs that talk about like not even like like a bargain economy, but like a gift economy, mm-hmm. which I, I, I think could be really functional in a lot of sectors. There's a lot of times where she's like, 
taking in kids and letting them stay the night or like letting people stay the night, not like in a creepy way, just like the song Me and Little Andy, where someone knocks on a door and it's a kid being like, I don't know where my mom is and my dad's drunk in town. It's cold in my house. Yes. Can you let us in? And Um, she's like, sure. Joshua. Yes, Joshua. The weird guy on the, like, that even the poor people don't like. She's like, I don't know. I, he's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, inclusion, radical inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, Applejack. Remind me. Applejack is, like, the, just, like, a busker in town. He's just, like, kind of a guy. It's unclear if he has, if he is unhoused or not, but he just, like, sits around and plays his banjo, and she, like, brings him some whiskey, and he plays his banjo. Very pro-sex worker. Yes, that is true. Very like that's not that's a that is an honorable profession. Mm-hmm. And pro like sex worker protections. Like I would say any of her criticisms of that job are based on lack of safety that the rest of the community provides these these people. Yes, that's true. She does have that one song of like, I was a child getting sexually assaulted, and then I was a teen being sexually assaulted. Yeah. And now I'm a prostitute being sexually assaulted. Yep. But the critique is not Oh, I've made bad choices. It was every man in my life has failed me yes. in the most <laughs> profound way. Yeah. There are a couple other tracks where like either sex work or survival sex are discussed. And it's like, you know, people people do things. Yeah. Also, I'm realizing we had that whole conversation about class solidarity and workers. And we didn't talk about the song 9 to 5. Right. <laughs> Yes, Song okay. 95, which is all about how the workers should yes. control the means of production because the management <laughs> class doesn't yes. do anything. Yes, they never give you credit. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Yes, they y- use your mind mm-hmm. and they never give you credit. That's so... I, I didn't know that song. Everybody knows that song. But like, that's so profound like I always thought of it as like like a like a really cute little anthem about how like commuting is annoying and it is yeah but the critique is a little more incisive than that yeah and I and I appreciate that yeah talking about her way of looking at like drudgery and hard work and things like that is interesting because she She is a person who has had like such a unique life experience and yet it feels like she could write about anyone's life experience as if it were her own. (laughs) She has. Yeah. Like the whole first like 20 albums mm -hmm. are full of songs written in first person that are clearly not her story. So many songs about having children who die. Yes. Over and over that song. Dolly Mm -hmm. Parton has no children. Uh, Yes, has no children, has never had any children. And I believe that all her siblings survived childhood. I think so. I do think... Which is, that's bananas on its own. Yeah. I think a few of them have, like, died young-ish. But by young-ish, I mean, like, in their 40s. Yeah. Not to say that people in the Appalachian Mountains can't take care of themselves, but I th- out of 12, 12 a and long we've time seen a picture ago, of their house. with a doctor for free, yeah, like, it's, like, I, that's, I, you know, people get stuff. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> Babies are delicate. Yeah. I don't know. I want to be conscious of, like, it's just because she writes these songs doesn't mean it's, like, it's still hard to be poor. I don't want this to get turned around. Like, people should still have a real jacket, not a jacket made out of scraps of fabric. Right. I mean, she has that song, The Good Old Days When Times Are Bad, that she has put on, like, multiple albums about yeah, how, like, she's her like, life was wouldn't... hard. Yeah. Like, it was tough. They worked really hard to just get by. And she has that line that's like, 
I wouldn't trade those memories for anything, but also but you I, could not pay I me to go back and go do back. it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like it's, there's a... A real cost. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about like what her life actually is and like how she has woven that into her music while still not writing about herself. Like her actual biography is like, had no kids, got married at like 21 to a guy that she is still married to. Mm-hmm. Who has a- apparently almost never seen her perform (laughs) yeah unclear if that's a joke or not but yeah like right but the fact that it's unclear like for how much how expository a lot of the music feels like she is a pretty veiled person yeah i feel like she's one of the few uh music stars that you could say has really good work-life balance and i (laughs) think the way she does that is by keeping her private like keeping her private life as like a separate persona yeah Which I think, I mean, other people do too, I'm sure. But like, she's able to have a lot of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just see that clip about, this is such a tangent, you can take it out if you want to. But did you just see that clip of Lady Gaga talking about why she is credited as Lady Gaga when she acts? No. She just is like, because I'm not not, basically. Because I, I think, I believe that on set a lot of times she is Stephanie. But like, she was like, I didn't want to give people the impression that that was something that I did for my music career that like that Gaga is a, a mask mm. because she's not right. And I thought that's interesting that it's like, it's like, it's not really like the whole truth, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not a mask either. Right. It's like drag. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since you say drag, I think yeah. that's a really good yes. way of thinking about Dolly Parton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she is like so many drag Queens inspiration, but I yeah. think also she is a bio queen yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like, she has her stage persona, and then she has her, like, real-life way of being. Yeah. Um, But there is a way. I mean, I don't know this about Dolly. I'm just kind of extrapolating from Gaga. But it's like, there's a way. It's like, sometimes Gaga is the truth and Stephanie is the mask. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like Batman. Yeah. Should we talk about how many albums there are? (laughs) I mean, yeah, we can. It it seems... There's... It's like, notably No, I mean, it large. is bonkers. But it also kind of seems like partly just a product of, like, the way the industry worked at the time. Like, it just... It's, like, it RCA like, specifically, it yeah, seems like. Yeah, like, like, she was just... Because the, the earliest albums... Like, I ended up... In order to move through the material, I started checking the writer credits and just only listening mm. to the tracks that she wrote. And it's like, you could... First of all, all the records are short. Yeah. Like, if you just took the ones that she wrote and made the albums, like, a little longer than 25 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you could you could combine a lot. You could... It would look a lot less intimidating. Yeah. In the, like, history. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's just not what they were doing. It's like, she'd be like, here's three good songs I wrote. And they'd be like, great. Think of some covers that you want to do. And, like, here... Just throw Porter Wagner on some of them. Yeah, on a couple. Like, or... I read a little bit about, like the deal with him okay and it sounds like he was really like a way in for her actually someone maybe rca maybe a different label really wanted her to be like a pop girly Mm. and she didn't want to do that um and she sort of got porter wagoner to take her on but to like his not just label but like brand Right, and she, like, performed on his show a lot because he yeah. had a TV show for a while. Yeah, and it sounds like it took actually a little while for her. Like, a lot of those duet albums are because 
that's what was selling. Like their duets mm. were selling a lot better gotcha. than her solo stuff. I guess she also like replaced someone really beloved. So for a while people were like, Who's I this? hope she dies. Right. Cause that's how people are when there's a, a woman that they don't know yet. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and then they kind of started to warm up to her like as his buddy. Mm-hmm. And then I think by Jolene, it was like, Oh, like a lot of the just volume of material was her trying to like assert a separate like singer songwriter personality, but also like make money for this man <laughs> who was yeah. pressing her records. Yeah. I do know when she had one of the greatest lightning strikes in the history of music and yes. wrote Jolene and I will always love you in the same day. I will always love you is about Porter Wagner. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is very sweet. Yeah. I love finding out stuff like that. Yeah. Because I think at that point, she was big enough that she could go not totally on her own because she didn't start self-producing for another couple of years, but like... No, but I think she left his like mini label or whatever. I don't really understand how the like his stable, works, but his crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. She le- and it was like, it was like a, I think they only have like maybe one more yeah. record together after that. Yeah, I think that's right. I also heard she noticed after they had both become number one hits, she like noticed in her notebook that they, that she'd written them on the same day. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like she like made them both and was like, I think these are both gold. Like it sounds like they kind of both like percolated for a little bit and then they both did really well. And then she like went back and was like, Hey, I did that in the same day. And, and what she said about it was like, buddy, that was a good day. (laughs) So cute to me for some reason. No, cause it's cute. It's like, what a wonderful understatement. Yeah. 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 I guess I was on that day. I've yeah. heard Alanis yeah, I Morissette. I guess you were. Yeah. I've heard Alanis Morissette wrote like the better half of Jagged Little Pill in a day. Should we talk about... Just to put a pin in the amount of content that she was putting out in Ooh. the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. There was a point where she was putting out four albums a year. She probably could have done a quarter of that. If she just waited till she... You trim the fat. Yeah, if she waited till she had six good songs instead of three and put out two albums a year and But also, like, it's kind of fun, and I guess it just speaks to me of, like, how people were using records at that time, like, and, like, what people wanted from Dolly, you know what I mean? Like, were Mm -hmm. people looking forward to, like, 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 you go to the record store and it's like, oh, another Dolly Parton, like, I'll put this on at my, like, dinner party or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I, like, it's just, like, such jaunty little music and so, like, consistent and, like, count onable. Yeah. That, like, I can see being like, yeah, I'll get the next one. <laughs> like, not overthinking it so much. Like, it's not like, oh, we spent six years on this record and, like, uh, you know, it's not, she's not Arcade Fire. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, is this one going to be, like, as good and as meaningful as the last one? Like, I'm going to put it on and, like, listen to every little synth noise and, like, get high and, like, think about it too much. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. I think it's, I don't know, but I suspect that most of her vocals are one take. Yeah. Like, I really think they just put her in there and she's like, ta-da, here's the song. Yeah. Do critics of explicit talk in pop music know what is going on in country music? (laughs) Like, it's like every third song I was like, Dolly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, nothing's off limits, you guys. Like, if you haven't gone, like, into the, like, annals, it's like incest sharing boyfriends with your mom substance abuse homelessness child death yes so many dead babies so many dead kids um there's one where like 
a flight full of deportees crashes in the desert and they all die. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is throughout. This is not yeah. like tucked away on like a couple of the early records that are like that are like this is a convention of country music that you didn't understand. Yeah, like, all, no. like some of her like mainstream pop records. Yeah, are like I had this affair with this boy and then it turned out he was my surprise brother. Yeah, like what? Or like Dolly, a hey, uh, uh, kid and her puppy knocked on my door one night. They were very cold. I and, let them in and, and they immediately they died. died. <laughs> Or like, or like a little, she likes doing a little girl voice. <laughs> she doesn't need to reach for it. She no. already has kind of a little girl voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think she likes like sort of being in a uh, character, but there's one where she like plays a little girl who like invites a random man up to her apartment, like while her mom's not home because she's lonely. And then it turns out he's her dad. Like mm-hmm. just these, like these, like these like soapy scenarios, uh, like, like I get it. It still manages to sound like very wholesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were there were a couple. The one where her mom's fucking her salesman boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, we, like leave Megan the Stallion alone. Yeah, <laughs> like Dolly Parton is is giving you high stakes scenarios. Yeah, it's not very horny at all. She's not she's not so horny to me. But like the situations can be like pretty explicit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is where I wanted to talk about Taylor Swift. Sure. So much Taylor Swift discourse, particularly when you're talking about like Gaylor theory, sure, is about the literalness of her songs. It is fascinating to me that we have these conversations in a world where Dolly Parton's music catalog exists. Yes. Because <laughs> if that were true, if all of Dolly Parton's songs were true, she would have jumped off a bridge three separate times <laughs> yeah. for three very different reasons. Yeah. And been like like a child bride and a child divorcee. <laughs> yes, exactly. Divorced many times, cheated on many times. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's not shy about writing a song about cheating or even sometimes like swinging. Yes! Yes, there is that song on Code of Many Colors that's like, Hi, Mom, I'm coming home. My husband made me watch him fuck another woman and wanted to watch me fuck another man. Yes, my husband is is into cucking. Yes. And I don't know what to do with that information, so I'm coming home. And if you think think we are exaggerating, we are not. That is literally what the lyrics are. Yes, yes. It's not coded. No. But I feel like there is also one a little later that's like, whatever we do in our relationship, like, that's okay. Like, as long as we talk about it, it's fine. Like, there's yeah. a pretty, like, like, poly. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a song, You Taught Me How to Swing, and it definitely yeah, is a double that one entendre. Is, that is a little more coded, but the, the one with the, my man's into cucking, that's, that's, <laughs> that's straight up just what it is. And I, I think that is the one where I was like, excuse me. I know, the first time excuse I listened. Excuse me, Barbara Bush. I don't know, who, who goes around being like, meow, meow, meow. The culture's rotten, the kids' brains. It's usually some first lady. It's usually a Republican. First oh, lady. Um, Tipper Gore is the one who got the explicit content labels on music albums. Oh my god, I wanted to say Tipper Gore, and then I was like, no, Al Gore loves whales. Why would she do that? Because <laughs> it was still the eighties. Yeah. And 90s. Okay. It's like, is this what you meant, <laughs> you guys? Like, people are so racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when they're like, like anytime there is like an outcry about something it's literally just because it's black people doing the same shit 
Yeah. That white people have been doing for decades. And I know I'm not saying anything new, but like, yeah, listening to these like very graphic. <laughs> not graphic. Frank. Yes. Frank. Yes. Yeah, soapy situations mm-hmm. in these Dolly Parton songs. It's like, oh, your, your problem is not with like an open discussion of incest. Yeah. Or, or, or like sexual situations. Your problem is with black people. Yep. Anyway, okay, should we talk about... Okay, I want to talk about actually Jolene just really fast. Sure. I just think... Uh, Jolene is obviously... Every, that's another one that everybody knows. As someone who doesn't listen to a ton of country music, I have always admired the writing of that song as like... When when you're a writer, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you want to hook people into a story, you want, you want, you want a, a, a swift delivery of background information and stakes. Mm-hmm. And like... That's what Jolie, Jolie in, in, in two lines, one of which is just the repetition of the name Jolene. <laughs> There's just like such a clear, like two characters, what they both want, mm-hmm. like what their obstacles are, like the, what it means to them. Yeah. The, the swiftness with which it draws you in and, and tells you everything that you need to know. And from kind of a like unique angle is like unmatched to me. Yeah, just in the first line, you know, there's so much anguish. And then by the end of the second line, you're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Gotcha. I feel like I know so much about her relationship. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. a lot about like how she feels about herself. How she like, it's just like, like, I, I feel like I've, I've been given two whole like character profiles. Yeah. It, he's a little fuzzier to me, but our, our narrator and mm-hmm. Jolene are both like pretty clear people to me, like immediately. And like, what is transpiring between them and who like who even is a person that would say that would like admit to such like like what a like what a what a tactic sometimes our cats fight (laughs) sure where are you going with this (laughs) and um it's it's been noted about my cat pipette that that she wins a lot of fights um but other people have observed her fighting their cats and they're like, it looks like she's losing because she's often like lower. Like she immediately like gets on the ground and sometimes like shows some of her tummy, which mm-hmm. is would seem like a terrible cat fight technique. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that's what's happening in Jolene. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you could you could spend all day doing like e- like evil eyes at each other and being like, hey, like he loves me, he loves you not. Right. Or you could be like, listen, I know that you could. We both know that you could. Like, what an interesting tactic. Yeah. And not even because it's the right thing. I'm asking you to look at me as unworthy of besting so that mm. you'll leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, like, I just you, think... you don't need to steal this schmo from me. Right. But he's the best I could do. Yeah. Yes, yes, that, that yes. Is interesting. I'm dating up. You would be dating down. Like nobody wins in this scenario. Like just keep moving. Yeah. Like that's a, I like what other song have you heard then? And but it, there's no reason to do, do another song of it because it's already been done perfectly. It's just such yeah. like rich storytelling to me. Yeah. You know what I think is funny about that song is that she wrote it because of an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't know this tale. So apparently she met a like eight-year-old with green eyes and red hair who she was just like 
you know how sometimes like a pop star or like some celebrity meets a kid and they're just like really struck by how fun the kid is? Yes. They had one of those moments and she was like, what is your name? And she's like, she was like, she my was name's like, Jolene. There's no and songs. Yes. There's no songs about yeah. girls with my name because my name is Jolene. And she was like, I'll write a song about you. <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah. Should we talk about uh, And I Will Always Love You? Uh, yes. So it's not, you keep saying And I Will Always Love You. Oh, it's just I Will Always Love You? Yeah. Oh, well. Very Berenstain Bears of me. <laughs> the chorus starts with and. So, okay. So have you seen the movie The Bodyguard? No. I have. And it's fine. I suspect it might. I kind of wanted to watch it again, but we didn't get around to it. I suspect it might be a lot better if you know the Dolly Parton song. Like I, I like a lot of people, did not know that song was a cover for a lot of my life. And then like I knew that by the time I saw The Bodyguard, but I didn't know Dolly Parton's song. I don't know. I just like wasn't thinking of it as like a song that people would have known before Whitney Houston made it. Right. And like the the story of The Bodyguard like kind of depends on that. Like there's. Like, there's a moment where they listen to the song together, and then that's, like, mm. why she sings it as a pop star. Gotcha. Now, knowing Dolly Parton's version, I would be interested to watch the movie again. But it's... I, I will confess that I listened to... Every time that I listened to the record, Jolene, I immediately went and listened to the Whitney Houston cut at least four times in a row. Wow. <laughs> it's, like, the Dolly Parton one is is good, but I don't think that, I mean, like, part of what's so, like, special about it to me is it's, like, it's good. But, like, I don't know that I would have listened to that, but, like, as Whitney Houston and been, like, it could be this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the Whitney Houston one is just so good. And I think that's, like, I don't know. It's, like, it's, like, its own special gift to me that Dolly Parton wrote something that, like, she didn't even fully understand, like, the whole potential of. Yeah. And then it, like, further inspired, like, possibly the greatest vocalist of a generation to do what she did with it. And I think Dolly's, like, really, like, everything she says about it is, like, yeah, it turns out that is a Whitney Houston song. Like, she doesn't, I don't think she feels at all, like, salty. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that happens. It's like how uh, Trent Reznor says that the song Hurt is a Johnny Cash song now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just love that. I think there's all these jokes happening right now about like, died down now, but immediately after Kelly Clarkson covered um, Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever a couple different times, like a a lot of these pop stars were like, I'm going to put it in my contract that Kelly Clarkson is not allowed to cover my songs because like, imagine being like out song on your own. Like, she, she's a, a much grandstandier vocalist than Billie Eilish. <laughs> yes. And... I'm pretty sure anyone who sings is a grandstandier vocalist <laughs> than Billie Eilish. Burn. So sorry. Love Billie Eilish. You know, I, I've really come to respect her vocal style. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's it's great. It's I'm not knocking it, but it is... It's the opposite of grandstanding. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's awkward because, like, Billie Eilish just wrote that song, and then it now Kelly Clarkson is, like, singing it so good. But, like, I think it's really not... Like, I think that's really nice when, like, someone else feels, like, so moved by your creation that they, like, do it even better. Yeah. Uh, sidebar, you know who co-wrote The Bodyguard? No. Lawrence Kasdan, who Who's also that? co-wrote uh, The Empire Strikes Back co-wrote all the good star wars movies that's fun yeah i mean i really would watch it again and just like see if i there's not a lot going on in it besides just like romance Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's just a tough genre for me yeah i don't know i mean i guess i could talk about whitney houston all day but that's not really what we're here to do that's true should we talk about a little bit the change in her own career trajectory that she chose i think it's interesting that she like 
when she first started, she did not want to be a pop girl. And then like 10 years later was like, you know yes, what? Yes, I do. Yeah, let me try it out. And then she made Here You Come Again. Like immediately. Yes, and I loved Here You Come Again. Let's talk about Here You Come Again. And the fact that she did that and is it Last Harvest First Gathering is the name of it? Or is this, or is it a slightly? New Harvest First New Gathering. New Harvest yes, First Gathering. Yes, those are back to back. And those are, two, that's two of my favorite ones. Those, yeah, that might same. be my two favorite ones. Same. Fully. And they're not the same at all. No. Like earlier, earlier in the discography, it's like they kind of, you could kind of like shuffle them all together and you wouldn't really know. Mm-hmm. But those two are so different and so excellent, both of them. Yeah. So New Harvest First Gathering is kind of churchy. It is, but like in a fun gospel way. Yeah, she did not a, a message in. Oh, yeah. You told me she has like a like explicitly like Golden Streets of Glory is God very like. Record, which I went ahead and skipped because I'm doing praise fun. hands for those of you listening at home. But no, this one has like a, a very energized like musical feel. The ones I ended up making a playlist that I, I don't know if I'm going to keep around, but I just like every once in a while there'd be one that I was like, this is, I'm never going to remember what song this was like in the morass of Dolly Parton. And this is like doing it for me, like a little, like on a little more of a personal level. Mm-hmm. And it usually was the song that had a little more like, mm, that like made me feel like, like, okay, okay, Dolly. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, like, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when she gave me that like oh ooh, and you're getting into it music yeah that's the, the those are the ones that i um tended to really respond to i also just popped a couple of the like most absurd lyrical moments on there because i was like Ha-ha. uh like this might be taking it too far but i want to tie dynamite to her side of the car yes i put that one i don't want to throw rice i want to throw rocks at her third song off of her first album her first album also pretty fun it's very country but it's a solid album so i never in all of the time i was listening to her songs felt jaded or cynical about anything that she was doing like there were times where i was paying less attention there was times where her songs were more backgroundy but like when the worst thing you could say about someone's music is that it's good background music and then it just goes from there to incredible songwriting that has been popular for 50 years like that's a great spread yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) that's pretty unimpeachable six years before she penned uh, american classic i will always love you dolly parton wrote a song called (laughs) all oil wells love you (laughs) like i saw that there and i was like i was like oh that's that like how fun of her like pastiche and then i was like no this is six years before yeah like like she (laughs) i can't stop giggling about it she was like you know what sounds like i will always love you all oil wells love you and then she like wrote a fun song of like oil well puns (laughs) yeah about like like marrying a man for his money basically and then six years later she was like i guess i'll just write regular i will always love you and then it was like the greatest song ever written yeah <laughs> that's an absurd development yeah go listen to all oil wells love yeah you, what, you what else is there to say about that that's just that's very yeah. true i don't want to ask you your favorite album because i feel like we gave it the full weights pretty much uh which i know we said we would never do it again but that's yeah, why we like, are breaking this up over multiple my episodes. favorite songs are pretty spread out i would say yeah i mean same I feel like if you are looking to get into Dolly Parton for the first time and you're like trying to figure out where should you start, 
I feel like Code of... I started with Code of Many Colors, which I feel like was a great choice. Okay. I mean, I started with Hello, I'm Dolly, which is the very first one. And honestly, like, it was not bad. Yeah. There's some stuff you can skip, not because it's bad, just because it's not as interesting as some of the other stuff. Like, you could skip her first Porter Wagner collab after Hello, I'm Dolly and just go straight to Joshua, because Joshua, I think, is a great album. Sure. You can skip a lot of the collabs in Imho. Yeah. If you want to know what they sound like, they are interesting. They have their own special vibe. Like whenever Porter Wagner starts talking in a song, you know that something tragic is about to happen. Sure, yeah. You said to me last week, it, there were a lot of songs that it seems like she wrote half a song and then just decided to have Porter Wagner <laughs> yeah, talk about and something was like, sad. Yeah, and then was like, and then you just narrate the rest of the story. Yeah. There's also, we were talking about the different, uh, like as we move into the late 70s and uh-huh. the 80s, there's um, a lot of synth sounds that come in and like some of them are like so classic and so perfect and like really like get me jazzed and some of them are so annoying and it's like, and, like I have, so dated sounding. Now. Yeah. Well, they're all dated sounding, but some of them are like, yes, like mm-hmm. the 80s went off with this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and some of them are like, are like, who, who, like, who let you do that? Yeah. Like, like what, like why? Why did you think this was better than, like, a real instrument? (laughs) Yes. That is how I felt about The Great Pretender, which I was, like, so excited about because I was like, oh, it's Dolly covering, like, all of these famous not-country songs. Yeah, none of them really blew me away. Yeah, and then it was just, like, very synthy in a way that was, like, kind of womp-womp. Yeah. Which is also the sound that the synth makes. Yeah. Some of the synths are really like, like give me just like fun, like epic vibes. Like when a synth is trying to be an organ, I think I'm more into, I don't know. I could really go through and like, and like hot or not, like smash or pass. Smash or pass. Like all the little synth instruments. And I feel like it would sound deranged. Like, like I, everything, all of them are either like a 10 or a zero. Yeah. And I think someone listening to me rate them would be like, you're just like flipping a coin. There's absolutely no rhyme or reason to this, but I feel it very deeply. No, I know what you're talking about, where there were like the synths on Here You Come Again, mostly great. Yeah. The synths on some of her stuff in the 80s, I was just like, this sounds so creaky now. The synths on Whitney Houston's cover of I Will Always Love You. (laughs) Perfect. Perfection. Mm -hmm. Absolute. Gorgeous. Should we talk about her vocals? I wanted to talk about that because I was surprised. Yeah, sure. I was just surprised by, I thought I knew like what she sounded like because I've heard the song Jolene um, and Nine to Five. But like, I was surprised how good of a singer she is. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) And like, that's probably embarrassing of me, but. No, it's true. And it's interesting going back to like 1967 and like, I know we've still got like 25 well, actually, we've got like 30 years to go. But in the 20 years that we covered, her voice doesn't really change. It doesn't. I, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's I, hard to take care of your voice Yes, like that. it is when you're d- doing that and like touring all the time. And I do feel, I feel like sh- I'm starting to hear her. Lo- there were a couple albums where I was like, oh, this doesn't have the clarity that mm-hmm. it used to. Then I don't know if she like got a coach or had some polyps. Like, I don't know. Cause I feel like it did cut, but it's, it's, uh, it doesn't seem, it's starting to feel a little more fragile to me or like, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, like I think it's days might be numbered as we move into the second half of her career. But yeah, I just, she's very expressive, very like, like emotional in the delivery. I think we've talked about how like, like I generally with the notable exception of antihero, I hate when Taylor Swift acts in her songs yeah but i love when dolly parton does it and Mm -hmm. i think it's because she's good at it 
and like like she seems to slip into it so like it it seems like all the same craft to me and I yeah I, I I was impressed with like the different the number of different like tones that I heard like I just thought that I like knew what she sounded like but she has like she has these like really like big like big moments yeah she does that I was not expecting and it, and it doesn't sound at all like oh this is like the part of the song that I have to do this for the song to be like it fe- feels very deeply felt and you know I can only assume that that's all just from entertaining her siblings yeah I think that's part of it and I think just like she was blessed with a voice that is like very talented but it has this like very I don't want to say fragile quality to it and it's not that it's not powerful but like Amy Lee has a powerful voice sure Dolly Parton doesn't have as powerful a voice but it is incredibly mellifluous yes one of my first experiences of Dolly Parton as a personality was watching her perform at the Oscars, the song she wrote for the movie, I was going to say Transparent, but that's not what it is. Yes, Transamerica. Traveling through? Um, yes. You know, she was old then, and she went for some stuff, and she sounded like an old person. You know, like, she, she's she got great pitch, but, like, it just didn't fill out. And I was like, oh, she this that's what her voice sounds like. She has this sort of, like, thin, tinny quality, and sometimes when it's quiet, it's very sweet, and then sometimes, like there's a big note and that's what it sounds like. And people who listen to her music like that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you go back to the earlier records, yeah, it's much more um, rounded out. It's it's never going to, she's not Audra McDonald's. It's never going to have that yeah. like full, full, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not a vocal coach. I, don't, I know there's like words that you can use to actually describe people's instruments a lot better than I'm doing, but just go listen to her. You'll know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. She, her voice kind of reminds me of Carly Rae Jepsen. Is okay. that weird to say? No. It, she's never going to fill out a room with her voice alone, but like you said, she has great pitch. And so I think that carries her a really long way. And like there is a, like its own kind of like boisterousness in the tone. There's a lot more like like support and fullness than you're expecting from the way her voice sounds when it's more conversational. Yeah. I want to talk quickly about how Dolly Parton generally talks about god because she is definitely a baptist who grew up in the 40s and 50s and records country music so god comes up sure but i feel like after listening to her first 20 albums whenever she talks about god in her songs putting aside her like christian rock or her christian country album it's a lot of like i'm looking at nature and like god's coloring book is a great example sure a song where she's just like oh isn't the world beautiful and like using God as like a metaphor for like the beauty of nature yeah. or if she's addressing God directly, it's always like take care of my dad or this small child after they die because they're really important to me. And like, it is comforting to me to think of that. Yeah. The way that it comes through in her music, I feel like her version of baptism is like, like very natural because it's like it's almost like I know you know space exploration is new but like the we're all stardust mm-hmm. approach yeah like I I it it feels like that when she talks about it to me yeah yeah and as a Jewish person mm-hmm. it is just a lot easier for me to get down with someone who is talking about God in a way that isn't just like Jesus is the light and the life and the Lord which is why I had to bail on golden streets of glory because it was just like all through him with a capital h and yeah, i was like i, I can't like i'm not knocking it for dolly 
because I'm sure she has come by that very honestly. Yeah. But I also don't think if I was like, if I was like, I'm a pretty devoted atheist, I don't think she would think any less of me. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Dolly Parton has ever judged, judged a single person for a single thing in her entire life. Right. Yeah. Because, and I, and it feels like part of it is because that would almost be like judging herself. Mm. Do you get that from her? A little bit. I feel like she's got a lot of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Which I feel like is similar to what you're saying. Yeah. I also think she just like puts a big premium on being nice to people. Yeah. Like well, it is and, and, part of um, her thing. And like, and I think she's like a genuinely um, like deeply curious empathetic person i think she puts a really high premium on just like human experiences that are not her own yeah and i think like any anyone coming to the table with anything that she could like seek to understand or perhaps even mine for creative use is like a a blessing to her that's Mm -hmm. that's that's the, the the sense that i get yeah do you think that dolly parton is a musical genius yes I think so too. And it is interesting because as you say, her songs do have this like very easy going quality to them. It feels like, like you said, that she did everything in one take and was like, all right, great. I guess we're done. Like she's got that Taylor Swift quality of like, I never spend more than 20 minutes on a single song, (laughs) which makes sense because she pumps them out at such prodigious rates. But especially lyrically, I feel like she is absolutely a, a genius and... She does all of this not knowing how to read music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. She knows, like, six instruments, kind of. Yeah. But, like, her knowing six instruments, kind of, is still more than I will know, will ever know any of those instruments. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of genius songwriters that don't know how to read music. There's just a lot of ways to, like, come up in music where it's just, like, especially guitar kids, they don't know. They don't have any idea what's going on in music. That's very true. <laughs> Speaking for the guitar kids, that's because in piano, true. it's like at least the notes are in an order. In guitar, yeah. it's like so random. Like you just like start listening to things, and you're like, and there's so many songs that are the same four chords, and you're like, I know those four, four chords, and then you learn a couple extra chords, and like you're doing it. Like I don't think I don't think Fleetwood Mac knew music. <laughs> sure, could Jimi Hendrix read music? Absolutely know. not. No, Jimi Hendrix strung his guitar wrong, famously. Mm. He um was left-handed, and so instead of getting a left-handed guitar, he just turned a guitar over <laughs> i mean uh, paul mccartney did the same thing so with his, his bass. strings were upside down oh i didn't know that yeah i guess that's what left-handed people were doing for a while yeah that's a lot just to say that that doesn't surprise me when would she she was busy yeah she was busy helping raise all her siblings yeah but it also makes sense Graduating that like if you school. grow up with no money like a great inexpensive way to occupy your time is musical instruments yeah like, if you have a guitar in the house, great. You only had to buy that guitar once. And it doesn't need to be a good guitar right. for kids to learn. Right. On. Well, so one of the things, this is why I'm saying, like, I think her parents were really extraordinary. One of the things that it said in her Wikipedia is that her first guitar was something that her mom made for her. That's wild. <laughs> and they were like, we'll see if this sticks. Yeah. And then, like, she was good enough at it that they were able to, like, piece together the money for, like, a shitty-ass guitar Yeah. for the next year. But her first guitar was, like, made out of, like, a cardboard box and some cat guts. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, there, I think there are a lot of people, especially in that part of the world, that have a lot of music just in their brains and in their mm-hmm. ears. I mean, like, I've seen piano kids who will churn out, like, a mean ragtime who can't read a note. 
Yeah. They're just like, it sounds like this. I heard it and then I touched this thing and this is how it sounds. Yeah. And that's what Dolly Parton does. Yeah. Like how you come to it, it feels sort of um, like a separate question to me of whether someone qualifies as genius. Yeah. And, and I think, I think we're saying something similar. I was, I was merely remarking that like, it is interesting to see someone who has come to it honestly, but very differently from someone who is classically trained and put like so much time and thought into like how things were arranged and all like what each hand was doing. Right. I'm sure Dolly Parton doesn't think at all about like what the chord progression actually is. She's just like, it sounds better when I do this. Yeah, totally. And she's usually right. Yes. (laughs) I meant to say, while we were talking about Ways In, um, I listen to, I usually stay away from compilations because I like to listen to the albums of the artists intended. But I picked one to go on my Norway trip with. Um, the Essential Dolly. The Essential Dolly Parton. And I thought that was a great cherry picking. Yeah, I looked of, at the track list for that. Like, it's a great Like selection. a lot of the things that are on there are things that like later I was really happy to run into again and then they would indeed be like my favorite track from the yes. album. So that's... A best of that is truly a best of. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and not just like a greatest hits. Yes. Um, okay, well, we will leave it there, I think, um, and pick up with it... Next week, we will have our conclusion from 1987 to the present, starting with the album Trio, for those of you looking to figure this out on her Spotify catalog. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, where can they find you on TikTok? At Trash Analysis. And I am on TikTok and Twitter at AnxiousArchFay, and you can find the show on Twitter at SophisticatePod. Please continue to like and rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends about us. We always love new people and word of mouth. Uh, If you are interested in any of the other any of the other episodes that we talked about here because we mentioned a couple you can go back and check out our catalog all of our stuff is available online uh until then that about does it here for us at i'm a sophisticate and so can you until next time good night and good luck